Mary Poppins is the old school like demigod of nannies. We all know that, you know, Mary Poppins can do literally anything she wants at any time. She's Mary freaking Poppins. But can she? Or did she just like have a bunch of gadgets and drugs? <laughs> Everyone can clearly hear that we're going to be talking about Mary Poppins today. The 1964 classic is one of the most memorable childhood films for me. Iconic music, iconic characters. I'll never forget all the dancing and adventures and the crazy story of like spy intrigue and betrayal and subterfuge and murder. And (laughs) wait, you don't remember that story? (laughs) I think I watched a a different Mary Poppins. (laughs) You see, I have a theory that Mary Poppins and her friend Bert, they are secret agents on an insane mission to compromise one of the most powerful banks in the country of England. And they will accomplish this by infiltrating the bank's family, <laughs> not not the family of the bank, but Mr. and Mrs. Banks. Not, not <laughs> they the will bank. infiltrate that family and blackmail <laughs> the father, Mr. Banks. I'm going to prove this theory piece by piece. I'm going to kind of take it in phases. First, proving that Mr. Banks was a good target and that Bert and Mary could have been secret agents, and then that Mary and Bert executed strategic actions to turn the kids against him and infiltrate his family, and then that they blackmailed him, basically, to knowingly commit an unspeakable act of murder and compromise the bank by by killing the chairman. All right, you handle that. I'll be handling the stuff that deals with drugs and monarch mind control and hypnotism. Wow. And I, be- I believe that uh, there will Mary be plenty Poppins of that today. <laughs> was a powerful <laughs> hypnotist. And, she uh, absolutely and was. And uh, Bert, who was also a secret agent, was, was also her drug dealer. Awesome. If you're just watching the movie normally, what's the movie about? There's these kids that everyone wrongfully seems to believe are troublemakers, but are actually the most well-behaved kids in the world. I know, they're the best kids ever. (laughs) Oh my gosh, they never do anything wrong. (laughs) They lose their nanny. A magical nanny shows up who is there to help the kids, but is actually there to kind of fix the family and help the dad. And she's kind of magical and all-knowing. And everything she does seems to have some sort of a plan, but it's kind of weird and different. And the family changes for the better by the end. And then she leaves. The family didn't even really need fixed. Like the family was no. doing fine. She kind of <laughs> broke the family and then fixed it. <laughs> like Everything yeah. was going great until Mary Poppins showed up. All right. But like I said, that's not the story. The actual story is that uh, it's, it's the story of a family that's infiltrated by spies who then use them to commit murder. Right off, I want to just address the biggest problem, which is, was such a spy scheme even possible? Could, could such a secret agent mission have been carried out? So Mary Poppins was set in the year 1910. Now, I think it's really important that it was set that year because MI6, the British secret intelligence agency, was established in 1909, the year before. There's a good reason for that, too. Gathering tensions around the world leading up to World War I were pressing on all Western powers. Espionage was running rampant in all developed governments in the world. Absolutely, in real life, there were real plots exactly like what I'm describing here. Actual spies were, <laughs> and still are, infiltrating and hitting major financial institutions strategically to weaken their enemies or strengthen their allies. Now I want to talk about the target, Mr. Banks. Why was he the target? 
Well, he's high ranking enough in the bank that he can talk to the leaders, but he's not like one of the leaders, I guess. He's powerful and connected, but not at the top. He has room to grow, which is exactly what you'd want. You'd want some avenue to be able to pressure him, whether it's fear of losing his job, fear of losing his kids, or a desire for more recognition or power. He has a wife who is an influential suffragette, which doesn't mean so much to us today, but at the time was a powerful domestic threat in Britain. Yeah, that's why they're arresting them. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) He can be easily influenced by his two children, who he deeply loves but does not carefully watch over or connect with. We know that Mr. Banks makes a regular habit of bribing the policeman to look the other way when necessary. He mentions this when they're talking about hiring a new nanny, and he says, oh, it's going to create a commotion. They're going to line up down the streets, and then I'm going to have to bribe the policeman to look the other way for a few hours. (laughs) It's just a normal thing for him, right? He doesn't even think of it. Next question that I want to answer is, Could Mary Poppins and Bert have been secret agents? Is this even possible? Clearly. Yeah, definitely. First, let's talk about Bert. He sure seems to know everything about everyone in town. He's singing about it. He's making poems about it. He's suspiciously well-connected and funded for what's basically like a transient (laughs) hobo. Uh, He's working new jobs every day, (laughs) right? Another important thing is that Bert does, in fact, intimately know Mary Poppins somehow. Like, they're like best friends. Mm -hmm. And why? (laughs) He has no reason to know her. He has no kids. He's never needed a nanny. It doesn't make any sense. There's no reason that he would have ever interacted with this upper class nanny. Especially when no one else in town knows Mary Poppins. Everyone knows Bert. He's living there. But like, if Bert knows her, he must know her from somewhere else. That's another question. So is, is Mary Poppins an international spy? Well, we know that she flies in on <laughs> an umbrella. <laughs> no, she probably like literally flew in on an airplane. This is just the kid's fanciful way of looking at things. They're like, oh, she flew in. She probably mentioned to the kids, yeah, I flew into town the other day. And they're like, oh, she flew in on her umbrella. I, I had thought you were going to go like James Bond. She has lots of gadgets kind of thing. She does have like lots she, of gadgets. She has a flying umbrella. <laughs> well, I can't find any sort of historical precedent for that kind of gadget existing in 1910. But other gadgets did, which we might talk about. The whole plot of this movie and the book starts because they need a new nanny, right? Well, in the book, the old nanny, Katie Nana, she didn't quit. She just disappeared one day. Oh, no. And no one knows what happened to her. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Someone got rid of her. Yep. They just say, well, and that's the the book starts out with everyone like in a fuss and they're not like wondering what happened to her, but they're all just saying, well, now that Katie Nana disappeared, we need a new nanny. So someone murdered Katie Nana. Bert. Bert did it. And then uh, I would, <laughs> Mary yeah. Poppins comes in. I'd put money on Bert. Well, no, he, he clearly did it because he was the one who found the kids in the uh, in the park and brought them home. So uh, <laughs> he murdered well, Katie Nana. Going to the, the movie version, uh, I did have a mini theory about Katie Nana that Well, that's she fine. Was... In the movie, she didn't disappear. In the movie, yeah. she quit. So go ahead. No, I have a theory that Katie Nana was like a serial killer who's actively trying to murder these two kids or something. Oh, no. Because <laughs> she is just a terrible nanny. These are the most well-behaved kids in the world. And she's like, I can't handle them. I lost them three times. Lady, if you <laughs> lost them three times, that's on you. You're like trying 
trying to get them yeah. killed, man. And she's yeah. like just trying to say, I'm leaving, calculate my wages. I don't know where the children are. She's literally just trying to get her money and run because yes. <laughs> she thinks the children are she's, dead. <laughs> she's inept. <laughs> Either inept or malicious. I don't know. But uh... <laughs> when Mr. Banks comes home, Mrs. Banks says, Katie Nana has looked everywhere. But that is false. Katie Nana never said that to Mrs. Banks. No. <laughs> Mrs. Banks just made that up. Katie Nana had looked nowhere. She was just leaving. Yeah. She's like, I have no idea where the kids are and I'm out. <laughs> no, and I thought the same thing when watching it. I was like, if I was Mr. Banks and came home, then Nana's like, I lost your kids. I'd be like, well, let's call the, the police and you're in big trouble. <laughs> She's just like, yeah, your kids are gone. Now pay me. <laughs> yep. One of the most important scenes for this theory now is how Mary Poppins got the job. We already set it up that she disposed of the previous nanny, possibly. But how did she manage to social engineer herself into getting the job? Because she needs to make sure that she is the only candidate and the only one who gets hired. And what do you know? All the other potential nannies are somehow removed from the equation. <laughs> they get blown <Yeah>. away. <laughs> um, <laughs> once yeah. again, I thought maybe that was the kids' impression. Like they saw a line of people and then they looked back and there was no people. So they're like, they must have blown away. And really, it was just secret agents came and told yeah. everyone to go home. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. So to, to answer your like uh, p- perspective, uh, maybe we're in someone's perspective and the information we're getting is not entirely accurate. This movie does start with Bert talking to us. Like he does a Blue's Clues and he's like, oh, hello there, you. It's you. Come with me. I'll show you to Cherry Tree Lane. So I don't know. Maybe <laughs> the whole true. story is Bert is telling us. reporting to his superiors. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> know. how it happened. And let me spice it up for you. <laughs> I got a story to tell. <laughs> Mary Poppins goes in, she, you know, makes sure that Mr. Banks is the father of Jane and Michael. That's the first thing she asks. (laughs) She wants to make sure because that's how she's going to target him. She also has another important source of information. She immediately starts saying that she has a cheery disposition. She's never cross. Rosy cheeks, obviously. Uh, She plays games of all sorts. This is important because we know now that she fished the kid's uh, job listing out of the trash and taped it back together. And she shows it to Mr. Banks. <laughs> it was in the fireplace. Now, how in the world would she get that? We've got two agents who are casing this place. I am certain that she sent her chimney sweep down the chimney, <laughs> Bert, and he found these pieces of paper in the fire. Whoa, and he yeah. was like, Whoa. They wouldn't have noticed that man climbing down the chimney. <laughs> no, he did I mean, it at maybe, night. Maybe. <laughs> if she's coming with a job listing, why not bring the one from the newspaper? <laughs> that, mm-hmm. If they were doing good research, they should have seen. <laughs> yeah, fair <laughs> but enough. But the thing is that she, at this point, is not trying to impress Mr. Banks. She knows she's not going to get in through him. She's trying to impress the kids. She has to right. get in with them first. So she's got to immediately get in with the kids. And she does that by getting their job listing which she knew was theirs because Bert was up at the chimney listening when they were singing the night before. Possibly. <laughs> it's totally true, though. She definitely needs to be focusing on the kids and what they want for this mission to be a success. So I totally buy that. Now, throughout the job interview, she is just playing mind games with Mr. Banks. He's like, I tore it up. I threw it in the fire. Every time he mentions this, she immediately gaslights, distracts. She's like, you are George Banks, are you not? And did you not advertise for a nanny? 
And then he asks about it again. She's like, I beg your pardon. Are you ill? <laughs> like she's gaslighting him. She's like, something's wrong with you. I'm here yeah, for anytime the job. he's trying Let's to talk about out anything what's, else. <laughs> what's with this weird lady? And then she very expertly sets the tempo of the interview and places herself in a position of power. She says, on second thought, I believe a trial period would be wise. Basically, she's suggesting the idea of a trial period giving herself the job <laughs> like she, this is putting her in a position of power where now he's fighting to keep her not the other way around she's like "Ooh, i'm gonna put you on a trial period mr banks so she goes upstairs she immediately hardcore drugs those kids <laughs> and i can prove it so you don't need to prove it what's the name of the song <laughs> a, spoonful a spoonful of sugar, sugar helps the medicine, the medicine go, down. go down she goes upstairs and gives them drugs we may not see it that's because they're drugged and we're seeing this from their perspective in the book the very first thing she does is go upstairs and start giving them medicine <laughs> in the book it's not just michael and jane there's also two babies and she even gives the babies medicine despite the kids like <laughs> fearfully protesting they're like you can't marry poppins they're too young she gives it to him anyway she doesn't give a crap <laughs> she's <laughs> like take your medicine baby <laughs> mary poppins brainwashing the children is integral to her plan she needs to gain complete control over them she needs them to trust her to love her unflinchingly even in strange and unexpected or dangerous situations she needs them to also take actions that may hurt them. <laughs> and she needs them to do this willingly. <laughs> so she starts the process of conditioning them. Now, I believe when she first starts, she might have some sort of trick box, some sort of collapsible, you know, lamp and all the other stuff she pulls out of the box. She's trying to make herself seem weird and magical to them at first. She has these gadgets to make herself seem magical. She has the crazy magic bag. She also has some magic measuring tape. Which I think I guess it's kind of cool that a person's height also apparently indicates their major personality quirks. Yeah, it kind of sounds like phrenology, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. But basically, she uses a measuring tape to find out that Michael is extremely stubborn and suspicious, and Jane is rather inclined to giggle and doesn't put things away. But she yeah. herself is practically perfect in every way. She's like, see, look, this magical thing says that I'm great and that you should trust me. Like, these are all the exact reason that you would not want to trust Mary Poppins at all. <laughs> if anyone comes in and starts showing you magic, you know immediately that they are tricking you because right. magic is not real. <laughs> Which is why, you know, her method, she knew her methods weren't going to work on Mr. Banks. <laughs> no, this is how you would <laughs> trick a work kid. work on some kids. <laughs> At some point, she doses them with a spoonful of sugar and medicine while she's probably singing that song. And then they immediately go on some kind of short drug trip. How do we know that? Well, she's teaching them to clean up. But do they clean up? Does, does this cleaning up go well at all? No, it just sort of happens. Well, also, it doesn't even end well. It ends with Jane literally catatonic, staring at her toy box yeah. while toy soldiers dance in mm -hmm. front of her, just like, whoa. And yes. freaking Michael is like having like some sort of fit in the like drawers or in the cabinet. In his own delusion. <laughs> He's I think he just out, fell on the floor. Yeah. And is just like having a fit. I think she doesn't know quite the dose to give them yet as they do this she sets up like when i snap things get cleaned up and one way that a very common way to condition and train dogs is to respond to like a snap or a click 
she's training them. Like when she snaps, the job gets done. They don't know how because they're completely dissociated when she snaps, right? They just do whatever she's commanded them to do whenever she snaps. And from their perspective, the job just got done. The toys clean themselves up. (laughs) (laughs) So we have to take into account that this movie was made in 1964. And so even though it takes place in 1910, it was made in 1964. And 1964 is when the whole country was into spy stories. The government was doing tons of weird, crazy experiments and cover-ups and things like that. Yes, the U.S. government, which, I mean, this movie was made in the U.S., even if it's, you know, British. (laughs) So I'm just saying, (laughs) like... My favorite subject, of course, is always Project MKUltra in the U.S., which is, you know, this project where the government was using different methods to try to essentially find a way to do mind control on people. And you say it was a project. Is this a conspiracy theory or like, is is this legitimate? Well, there are a lot of aspects of it that are conspiracy theory, but it is a confirmed project that was declassified. Like we know that it happened. It happened. But for the most part, we know that one of the things they did try to use to control people was LSD, and they did give it to people secretly. I believe that the project supposedly revolved around getting the subjects to dissociate, and then once they have dissociated, you instill in them a separate personality that will perform whatever actions you want. There are two projects. One is MKUltra. That's confirmed. It happened. There's another one that people like to reference called Project Monarch. Monarch. Yeah. (laughs) That's unconfirmed and possibly didn't happen. Both of what's kind of generally said about these projects is that, yeah, you try to make a subject dissociate and you accomplish that in different ways. They studied drugs. They studied like, supposedly, we don't have confirmation of this, but like maybe physical abuse. Oh, no. Mary Poppins, what are you doing? (laughs) Things like hypnotism create a dissociative state. And when they're in that dissociative state, you give them certain triggers and you can cause them to dissociate and then do what you ask. And then when they come back to their normal state, they won't really exactly remember what they did. And one of the symbols that is often associated with this is the mirror and the phrase like through the looking glass can kind of mean someone dissociating from reality. So the hint that we're given here is that Mary Poppins looks in a mirror and her mirror self does something completely different than her normal self. They're giving yeah, us a meta level hint. it's just being cheeky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they're giving us a hint that like, oh, there's two versions of Mary mm. Poppins here. They're telling us this is what she's doing to the kids. She's causing them to dissociate. She's giving right. them triggers. Very first thing. She didn't even waste any time. Nope. She's turning them into her mind control slaves. <laughs> um, now, you might say this sounds far-fetched, but I ask you, what's more likely? That she suddenly started singing and talking to birds and the house started moving around all on its <laughs> right. own and the, the room started cleaning itself up. Happening. Or that while she was singing, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. She was giving them drugs. <laughs> <laughs> also, at the end of this scene, she seems to be under some sort of time crunch. Like she examines Michael and says, let me look at you. Well, you're not as well turned out as I'd like, but still, there's time this time <laughs> I'm like, she's she's like okay you're not quite brainwashed yet you're you were having a fit on the floor over there screaming let me out but uh, this time <laughs> i can get you ready well then she uh, certainly doesn't let up because she immediately takes the kids to meet her partner bert <laughs> and uh today he's a screever which is a man who uh leaves 
in <laughs> indecipherable messages on the sidewalk for other agents to find. And a hat that he well, primes yeah. with money. <laughs> <laughs> that too. So I just thought it's interesting that now his job is literally to like write stuff on the sidewalk because a common tactic that secret agents will use is called leaving a dead drop when you have already planned with another agent hey i'm going to leave something completely inconspicuous in this public location you find it there and it's typically a way to convey information between two agents so we're going to go on another drug trip here pretty soon Bert is trying to get them to go on the drug trip. Like he's kind of jumping the gun and Mary doesn't exactly seem happy with him. He looks around and he says to Mary, now is the time. No No one is looking. looking. Uh, So freaking (laughs) suspicious. I agree. (laughs) I think that Bert is kind of her drug dealer. I think he's the one who carries a lot of the drugs. That's the reason she goes to him next, because she used her store of drugs on them in the playroom. She used it all. (laughs) I mean, that was a crazy trip. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so he's got drugs, which he keeps mainly in a powder form, which might be in Mm -hmm. his chalk. Oh, chalk is a powder. And they don't start hallucinating until he leans them over it and draws a road right in front of them, you know, getting kind Mm -hmm. of some of the dust in the air. Then he tries to get them to dissociate, but... The drugs aren't everything. He needs to know the key words. I believe the key words are just one, two, three, and they jump because wow. that's what Mary Poppins said. But you know, that's how a lot of like hypnotists work is they'll, they'll count down. They'll be like, when I count down and snap or something like that. And then when they do disappear, they disappear in a puff of smoke. It's not just smoke. It's dust. Chop it's dust. powder. And it's psychedelic. It's in like five different colors. Ooh, and this is LFD. this movie again was made in the, 60s. in the 60s. They know the symbolism <laughs> of psychedelic dust. Mm-hmm. He knows they're going to use the good stuff and he seems to want his fix too. Him and Mary certainly go on this drug trip with the kids. No, without the kids. Right, <laughs> so yes, can... by themselves. <laughs> We're riding on turtles. And here's another good good symbol as people will remember from our classic amazing Anastasia episode which you oh, should go listen to uh, it's such a one. good episode the butterfly is a symbol of monarch mind control mm, and when the they get into this hallucination Bert and Mary are surrounded by like a flock of butterflies mm-hmm. and it's a jolly holiday and what is a holiday? Well, it, it's, it's leaving the normal world and going on a trip a drug trip Whoa, a drug trip <laughs> <laughs> So I believe that everything here is designed to teach the kids that Mary Poppins is great. They're just going around to different places in the town while they're really high. They're going to a cafe. They go to a horse race. The whole time, Bert is just talking about how great Mary is. He's like, Mary's (laughs) so great. Oh, you kids are going to love her. She's so wonderful. Tip of the top. Cream of the crop. (laughs) Completely tweaked out. (laughs) Babbling incoherently about how wonderful she is. Immediately afterward, they just start speaking nonsense. They're going crazy. They go nuts. So I do want to talk a little bit about supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. There are actually other versions of that song. Songwriters named Gloria Parker and Alan Holmes, they're also known as Patricia Smith and Don Fenton. They wrote another song called Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious a decade and a half before Mary Poppins ever came out. <laughs> Seems like they wrote this song and they even sued Disney and said, hey, yeah, you completely did. ripped off our song. They sued the uh, the Sherman brothers. 
So there's a couple of versions of the song that uh, Gloria Parker and Alan Holmes wrote. And I've listened to them and uh, Disney definitely ripped them off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, no, they screwed their songs them have a really really similar pacing and tune and words to uh supercalifragilisticexpialidocious as saying in mary poppins <laughs> yeah you think <laughs> it's the same word essentially <laughs> if you're listening look up uh super it's, it's also called the super song by gloria parker and alan holmes and uh just listen to it there's there's a, i found two different versions and one of them has really really similar pacing <laughs> and the other one has very similar words and did, uh, did disney win that lawsuit Oh, yeah. Disney totally won. Of course. So, <laughs> the House of Mouse always wins. When the movie came out, they originally were just like, we wrote that song and we made up yeah, everything made all by up. ourselves. We made up supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. But then Disney got sued and they completely changed their story. And they're like, everyone knows that word. It's been around it's for public years. Domain. It's way before we were born. <laughs> it's like a super common word that everyone uses and has always used. And that's how they won the lawsuit. <laughs> the judge was like, well, they proved it. It's a common word. And it was common because of the song by Gloria Parker and Alan Holmes. And I'm certain that the Sherman brothers heard that song growing up. And that's how they learned the word. And then they just ripped it off. <laughs> yeah. I'm certain that the reason they won was just because Disney had more money. There you go. <laughs> so what ends this drug trip is rain. We see the yeah, chalk whoa. melting away. The drugs are going away. And also yeah, the, probably doused. the cold water is kind of snapping them out of it. And then the adventure's over and they go home. Immediately the cut from that scene with them waking up to the next scene is Michael screaming, no, no, I won't take your nasty medicine. Whoa. And they're in the playroom and she's trying to right. give them medicine. Michael's getting fed up. He doesn't want more medicine. He's like, stop it. I've had enough. Well, why would he be saying we don't want your nasty medicine if at, on some level he subconsciously knew she'd already given it to them at some point? And then she says, people who get their feet wet must learn to take their medicine. She's saying that she's trying to keep them high and the drugs they got from Bert have worn off because of the rain. Confirming exactly what I just said. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. The rain foiled her drug trip and she's like, you got to take more medicine. <laughs> or maybe she's just saying, if you don't take your medicine, you'll get sick. <laughs> well, well, how do you think that the medicine changes color? It's because they're on drugs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then she takes some too and she's like, mmm, rum, rum punch. punch. The kids say, we couldn't possibly sleep because so many lovely things happened today. <laughs> and I think this is kind of why she's giving them the present because they're probably still like a little crazy from the other drugs she gave them. We don't know exactly what hallucinations Mary Poppins experienced during that scene, but what we saw was what the kids were seeing because they describe all the things they did to Mary Poppins, and she seems to act surprised as though she does not remember those things, because they were, of right. course, having their own hallucinations, <laughs> which might not have been the same as her. But they sure <laughs> shared them between each other. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Banks begins to suspect that something is wrong. At breakfast, he is really upset yeah. and out of sorts. Well, everyone else in the house is kind of ambling around in a daze, singing and <laughs> bringing each yeah. other flowers and doing crazy stuff. Mr. Banks even says it outright. He says, there is something extremely odd about the behavior of this household since that mm -hmm. woman arrived. And I want you to know that I've noticed it. <laughs> uh -huh, yeah. And he's not wrong. I don't know if Mary Poppins is drugging everyone in the house. 
Mr. Banks is unaffected because he spends most of the day out of the house. Right. We know that he He's goes out. to work early in Everyone the morning. He comes home. home at 6. At 6.01, he has his sherry. At 6.02, he has his pipe. At 6.03, yep. he pats his kids on the head and sends them to bed, which <laughs> seems kind of early. Well, he doesn't even get to see them. He literally <laughs> just pats them on the head and sends them to bed. So in this scene, Mr. Banks says that they need the piano tuned. And Mary Poppins uses this as the perfect cover to go and procure the murder weapon, which she's going to need. Also, as she leaves the house, she does kind of report to Admiral Boom. He inquires, what kind of fine adventure are we out upon today? And then he gives her directions to proceed at flank speed. So maybe he's like her uh, case officer. <laughs> he's checking in on her. I don't know. But he <laughs> also he also does ask if she's off to fight the Hottentots, um, which yeah, I think is like a racist term for Africans. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway. Um, wow. So then Andrew the dog comes up and uh, Mary yeah. Poppins puts on a great show of she this dog. She gaslights the her. children into thinking a dog <laughs> is talking to her. Yeah, it's obviously not. And Michael even picks up on it. He calls her out. He's like, I don't think that dog said anything. And Mary is like, you know best, as usual. Yeah. She's annoyed at him. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, basically, she pretends that this dog has told her that Uncle Albert is on the ceiling laughing. So they mm -hmm. go there instead. They are not getting any ordinary drug from Uncle Albert. This is a special kind of drug and a different kind of drug than anything they've used before. And this drug is not to be used on the kids. So in the book, he's flying because... If he laughs on his birthday, he gets filled with laughing gas that makes him fly. <laughs> that, this is where that's how he describes it. it. That's why she's here. She needs to procure some laughing nitrous gas. Nitrous oxide. Is, I don't think it's nitrous oxide because nitrous oxide isn't lethal enough. But wh whatever it is, is clearly a hallucinogenic poison that makes you feel like you're flying and then kills you. <laughs> And clearly, Uncle Albert has sampled his own product and is high off his gourd. <laughs> yeah. So they need to stop him from uh, dying. <laughs> Bert knows this, and he warns Mary before going mm -hmm. in. He says, you don't want to take the kids in. <laughs> when they all go in and Bert floats up, Albert says, how nice. I was hoping you'd turn up. <laughs> I mean, turn up or Turnt is slang, meaning wow. that you are become Not inebriated by some sort of substance. <laughs> it means you're having fun because you're intoxicated, basically. <laughs> I don't think people said turnt in the 60s. <laughs> no, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably cut this. It doesn't matter. But I just think it's weird how Disney used the voice of the Mad Hatter for Uncle Albert and then had Whoa. him have a mad tea party. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I thought that was cool. It's fun that they did that. That's who he is. That's his character. Um, this scene is important because Mary Poppins has now procured the murder weapon. She is now ready to proceed with her plan. She has the laughing gas. Now we're on to setting up the murder. George Banks comes home and finds his kids blathering like idiots about a man with a wooden leg named Smith. George Banks confronts Mary Poppins. He says, I'm disturbed to hear my children talking about consorting with racehorses, fox hunting, which actually he doesn't mind because, you know, it's tradition. Yeah, it's tradition. <laughs> um, but tea parties <laughs> Killing on the an ceiling. innocent fox. Great. <laughs> All that other stuff is bad. And he's clearly getting worried about his kids' drug trips, as he should. <laughs> yeah, but Mary should Poppins be. is sly, and she turns the conversation towards Banks' occupation. She says that the children need to learn about the life he leads. She twists the entire thing into an outing at the bank for the kids. And this is how she's going to set up the murder. 
And the kids immediately understand what she's doing. They call her out. They're like, however, did you manage it? You must have put the idea in his head somehow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she denies it profusely. She's like, what an impertinent thing to say. Me putting ideas in people's heads. Really? Right. And then she teaches them about the bird woman. And now she's going to hypnotize them. And remember, a hypnotist usually uses an item of sorts. It can be like a lit candle, a swinging pendulum, something that twinkles or swirls. In this case, she's using a snow globe. And we know they're being hypnotized because as she's saying all this to them, they're falling asleep. Hypno meaning sleep. You know, usually that's kind of what you're getting a person to do is sort of go into a sleep-like state. I'm with you. I believe she is implanting in their heads a trigger. When they hear someone say, feed the birds tuppence a bag, they're going to want to go go to that person like it's going to seem like something they have to do right they're going to be desperate for it yes i agree <laughs> I, we we have the same interpretation of this scene absolutely <laughs> and i mean if you don't think that this is possible you can like go to a hypnotist show or watch one on youtube if someone is willing and trusting of the person doing the hypnotizing you can implant an idea in their head that something is desperately important that like they need mm -hmm. to shout a certain phrase or do a certain thing if they hear a trigger. So this is where it all comes together. This is where Mary Poppins and Bert pull off the most complicated part of their plan. Mr. Dawes comes in, the elder Mr. Dawes, and Mr. Banks introduces him. He says, that's the chairman of the bank, the elder Mr. Dawes, a giant in the world of finance. The actor who's playing Mr. Dawes right now is Dick Van Dyke. And I got to say, in like HD, you can so clearly see like not only the globs and gobs of makeup everyone has on, but also the extremely not good prosthetics that <laughs> Dick Van Dyke is wearing. Yeah. Like you can clearly see the seam and the bald cap and where the yeah. wig sits on his head. Right here, he reveals the purpose of Mary Poppins' entire mission. He says, well stands the banks of England. England stands. When fall the banks of England, England falls. <laughs> yeah. What they do here is they very expertly cause a bank run. The bank run is, it's just like the cherry on top. What they're trying to accomplish here is a bank run. And it's, I believe that, yeah, they do want to destabilize England. But more importantly, they want to get Mr. Banks fired so that he will do exactly what they say and murder the chairman. <laughs> <laughs> Now they have to cover their tracks. The kids run out of there. And I got to say, Mr. Banks is a little irresponsible to just kind of like stay at the bank while his kids like run down dingy back alleys and get accosted by crazy strangers that <laughs> come with me. My dears, granny will hide you. <laughs> I got to say, as a kid, just the cinematography of the scene and how it's lit. I thought this scene was terrifying and lasted mm -hmm. for a lot longer. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it lasts like two <laughs> seconds. I thought they were lost for a long time with old ladies following them. <laughs> well, and then Bert's pretty scary too. So he shows up and he is filthy. He's covered in soot. He sarcastically consoles the kids. Like he's not being sincere right now. He says, well, the one my heart goes out for is your father. There he is in the cold, heartless bank every day, hemmed in by mounds of cold, heartless money. <laughs> like, he's saying this. He's, he's, he's mad about their dad. He's like, yeah, poor Mr. Banks, surrounded <laughs> by money. He's got it so bad. <laughs> I didn't exactly take that to be sarcasm, but I can see where you're coming from. So he takes the kids home. And I think that Mrs. Banks is uh, very irresponsible here as well because she tries to pawn oh, her kids off yeah, on everyone else. 
hey, stranger, <laughs> random chimney sweep who brought them home. Can you take care of my kids? Let me talk about them getting sucked up the chimney. So right, Bert is cleaning the chimneys and suddenly Michael gets sucked up and Jane gets sucked up. Mary Poppins' response to this is, Bert, I will thank you to stop putting ideas in their heads. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think basically she's saying, you're just the drug dealer. It's my job to get them high and put ideas into their heads. She's mad that he was like dosing them with this whatever chimney dust <laughs> that has hallucinogenic properties and getting them high without her permission. Fair enough. I Otherwise, I don't know how to explain <laughs> this next scene because it's kind of a trip. <laughs> so I don't have basically anything to say about There's nothing the, to say it's just a it's it, it is it, it's a totally gratuitous drug trip <laughs> they go wandering around along the rooftops uh she turns the smoke into a staircase <laughs> they climb up on top of a church go wandering around but then all of the other secret agents in town show up because they're all they're suddenly surrounded by Man, all there's Bert's a lot pals. of them <laughs> uh-huh and admiral boom thinks they're all hot and tots because they're basically covered in oh, blackface no. <laughs> again admiral yeah. boom oh my I god know. and he decides to murder them because he's like <laughs> oh, black people <laughs> i'll shoot them <laughs> but yeah admiral oh. boom's a bad guy we don't like admiral boom Gosh, don't be like admiral still boom. alive in mary poppins returns <laughs> i know i think that whoever uh, rewatched mary poppins when writing mary poppins returns didn't know they what probably didn't look was. up <laughs> so then the agents all ransack the bank household he comes home to a house full of secret agents and says would you so kindly explain all this i think that they're flexing i think they're saying we have the power we have your children we can take them at any time <laughs> michael even tries to leave dressed yeah. up as a sweep <laughs> <laughs> mr banks is like explain all this what's going on and mary poppins is like first of all i'd like to make one thing quite clear I never explain anything. And basically she's <laughs> saying, I'm not going to explain my mission to you. Just do what you're told or things will be bad for you and your kids. <laughs> this is the coup de grace. This is when they lay everything on the table. This is when they blackmail Mr. Banks and give him the murder weapon and give him his task. He gets a phone call. He has now lost his job and he's desperate, and he is ripe for recruitment by any sort of secret government agency that would want to recruit a spy or an agent or an operative. So Mr. Banks, he, he sort of blames Mary Poppins for this, and he's right. <laughs> um, no matter how you look at it, he's right. He says, it's all that Mary Poppins. From the moment she stepped into this house, things began to happen to me. And Bert starts to defend her. And as Mr. Banks laments the fact that his life's ambition is now basically gone down the drain and his entire life is in chaos, Bert smiles triumphantly, <laughs> which I thought was kind of interesting. Like Mr. Banks is like in the deepest sorrow and Bert like looks at the camera and it's like, yes. <laughs> I did notice that he has this very, because he's kind of singing random lines here. He gets a very smug look on his face when he sings the line, spoonful of sugar. <laughs> To Mr. Banks. <laughs> it has a different meaning, though. He's telling Mr. Banks what to do. He's like, you need to deliver a spoonful of sugar to the chairman now. <laughs> so Bert ingeniously How did he expect recruits. Mr. Banks to get this coded message? <laughs> it's pretty clear. <laughs> There's no doubt what they want him to do. Bert ingeniously recruits Mr. Banks at this point. Banks is all like, uh, you know what she did? I realize it now. She tricked me into taking Jane and Michael to the bank. That's how all this trouble started. Now Bert needs to go into social engineering mode. He needs to bolster 
Mr. Banks's confidence, but also make that confidence dependent on him and uh, Mary Poppins. He says, well, she tricked you into taking the children on an outing? Outrageous. A man with all the important things you do. Shameful. You're a man of high position. He's not. He just got fired. Esteemed by your peers. And when your little tykes are crying, you haven't time to dry their tears. <laughs> He's, this is a threat. <laughs> and I think Mr. Banks understands it because he looks extremely <laughs> fearful at this point. He looks at the camera with wide eyes. <laughs> he says, and to see them grateful faces smiling up at you because their dad always knows just what to do. He's social engineering Mr. Banks saying, you're going to lose your kids if you don't do just what we tell you now. <laughs> he keeps telling him to give that spoonful of sugar to help the medicine go down. And then Mary Poppins sends the kids down, all sad faced and puppy dog eyes, to give their dad the tuppence. This is the murder <laughs> weapon. <laughs> These are false coins that have been loaded with the deadly laughing gas that she procured from Uncle Albert. Yeah. That's all I could come up with, too. And you might say that's kind of crazy. Well, no one's ever made anything like that before. Yes, they have. There have been plenty of actual spy gadgets like that. For the past over 100 years, government agencies have been making umbrellas that shoot poison darts, ice cubes laced with, uh, I don't know, polonium. <laughs> Lots of crazy ways to deliver deadly poisons to people in ways that are completely undetectable. And it's not such a far-fetched claim that they might load some false coins with poison gas, because who's going to inspect a coin? No one's going to expect a coin to be a murder sure. weapon. And if you, like, coat something with, like, say, some sort of nerve toxin, just touching it with your hand could cause you to, you know, get really sick and maybe even die, depending on what it is. So, yeah, she has the kids deliver the murder weapon to him, which I think is clearly a threat. She's like, they'll do everything I say and you know what I'll do to them if you don't do what I want. <laughs> I feel like they could have made this a little more clear. <laughs> That's <laughs> clearly what's happening. <laughs> so we've now reached the point where the murder is going to take place. Mr. Banks heads over to the bank. He's doubting himself. He's not sure what he's going to do. But then they bring him into that evil red room and red room. he is fired and gets his cashiering by younger Mr. Dawes. And cashiering is basically when they uh, dishonor you by you know, tearing up your your flower and punching a hole in your hat or <laughs> Wait, whatever. is that a real thing that they <laughs> That's did? That's a real thing. Because um, I always I thought that was just to be it. funny. <laughs> it is to be funny, like but kid. also it's a real thing that was sometimes done in like the British Army, for example, if someone was like court-martialed and left in disgrace. And it's at that point that Mr. Banks makes his decision. All of a sudden, he's like, you know what? <laughs> I'm doing this. He pulls the tuppence from his pocket and immediately gets affected by the poison inside of them. He bursts out laughing and saying supercalifragilisticexpialidocious <laughs> and telling jokes <laughs> about wooden legs named Smith. The instant he touches those coins, <laughs> he's immediately right. going crazy and loopy. And then he thrusts the deadly weapon into the hand of the old man and races from the room as fast as he can, <laughs> singing a spoonful of sugar. He is out of there. And they are right to be afraid. Like uh, the younger Mr. Dawes is like, don't strike my father. He he. Wants Wants to. He's, he's like, I'm going to kill your dad. <laughs> That's what he's trying to do. So Whoa. the elder Mr. Dawes 
is he ponders the joke about the wooden leg man named Smith. And uh, as he does this, he's handling the tuppence. He's turning yeah. them around in his hand and rubbing them all over. And then he starts to laugh. And then he floats <laughs> into float. the air and then he dies <laughs> laughing. <laughs> so he gets affected by the uh, hallucinogenic properties of these drug-loaded coins. And, you know, he's a frail old man, so I'm sure a right. pretty he's small like dose could kill him. Old, so. And uh, two of the greatest secret agents who have ever lived have now pulled off an untraceable murder. It could only ever come back to hurt banks. They're completely in the clear. The aftermath of this, Mary Poppins is packing up. She's going to get out of there. She doesn't need to stay around. Everything's done now. Everyone thinks Mr. Banks is missing. Like they called the police, but he was in the cellar making kites. He's, (laughs) I think, not doing too well and is kind of just trying to salvage his relationship with his kids now. While they're flying kites, they run into the entire senior staff of the bank who are also flying kites. I think it's interesting that they're doing that right when Bert has suddenly become a kite salesman. And younger Mr. Dawes congratulates Mr. Banks and informs him that my father died laughing, but there's nothing to worry about. I've never seen him happier. And also, you're a new partner. Probably Mary and Bert leveraged the death of his father as a threat and told him to rehire Banks. Because why else would he? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> he seems so happy. My father died laughing when moments ago he was like, do not strike my father. He's, he's very yeah, protective of him. He's scared. He knows they'll get him next. So I don't know. And now Bert and Mary Poppins have successfully recruited Mr. Banks and inserted him as the senior staff, a partner of this bank. Their plot yeah. could not have gone off better. Uh, They did an amazing job. (laughs) And then Mary's parrot umbrella starts talking to her. This is a call from her operator, (laughs) from her case manager, checking in on her. And he's like, yep, time for you to be off. And then he starts bad-mouthing the kids. The case manager is not very professional. (laughs) No. He's like, they think more of their father than they do of you. And she's like, that's as it should be. And he's like, don't you care? So he's basically checking in to see if she has been emotionally affected by this job. And she gives the the right response, which is practically perfect people never permit sentiment to muddle their thinking. Practically perfect people is code for secret agents. Yeah, secret agents. (laughs) She's like, I am not getting sentimental. I'm coming back and we're going to do more jobs. (laughs) A great professionalism there, just keeping up their code because they know that this this radio uh, could be intercepted, this radio signal. Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) They're just being careful. So yeah, as the credits roll past, uh, we see that Mr. Dawes Sr. was played by Navkid Cade, which then de-scrambles itself to spell Dick Van Dyke. Oh, yeah. So what do you think? Were Bert and Mary Poppins actually secret agents on a crazy mission to assassinate the chairman and basically blackmail Mr. Banks to do it? I mean, yes, yes, yeah, they were totally. (laughs) Obviously not. We just twisted this whole movie around. We've proved that they definitely could be that secret agents were doing this kind of thing at that time. And we we both pointed out some very good evidence for a lot of things. You know, (laughs) there's lots. We supported this extremely unbelievable theory. I think very well considering how crazy it is i fully believe this theory 100 percent. i <laughs> i was just for some reason i was laying in bed thinking about mary poppins and then it just hit me and i was like oh my gosh 
they were trying to assassinate the chairman. <laughs> they were secret agents. <laughs> Gosh, I, I can't count the number of times that's happened. I'm just staying up late thinking about Mary Poppins. And then I it clicks. Like, <laughs> that's the life I live. I don't know. <laughs> that's what I, that's I why we do this podcast. Whoa, dude. So we proved it. Mary Poppins and Bert were secret agents. They were taken down we the British financial Poppins, system. Yeah. All right. If you she like was just theory, drugging those kids to no end. She was. She was horrible. She's a psychopath. <laughs> if you like this theory, you know, let us know. We're on Twitter. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> if you did like this theory, do rate this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Because that'll help other if people If you like this show, it really helps people to find us if you give us a good rating. And also you can find us on Twitter at Popcorn Isn't Real. Music for this episode was provided by Christine. And, and remember... remember The popcorn isn't real.